0: You are listening to the Racer to Racer podcast presented by Race 92. Race 92 is a vintage-inspired racing apparel brand specializing in celebrating vintage race culture and adapting to motorsports today. Check out Race92.com for all your racing merchandise needs. I'm your co-host Aaron Mack, our other co-host you may have seen walking out of Barber Lounge 459 with a big old smile on his face. He is Scott Bally. Hello, Aaron. How's it going?
1: It's going real good. How about yourself?
0: It's going good. So, um, thanks to everyone who came out last w- week to the um, our show, McGilvery's um, Pub and Eatery in Speedway, Indiana. We have the um, Bettenhausen boys, um, Todd and Kerry Bettenhausen, which is a great show. So, thanks everyone for coming out. Thanks to McGilvery's and Top Gun Racing and Grant King Racers. Um, and yeah, our show today, before we get into anything else, is Didier Tays. Um, Didier is a great guy. He um, won 24 hours at Daytona a couple times great sports car driver drove in i think three indy 500s um and since then he does you know some driving coaching stuff and has worked for some different series um and now i think he works for michelin um but he's definitely done a lot of done a lot of stuff and um yeah great guy to talk to for sure
1: yeah no it was it was a good talk uh it's like man so many of these guests um i you know of them or you know like some of my stuff i know of them i don't know them mm-hmm. and then you get to talk to them and then you get to really get a good insight into why the why and how they got where they went you know in the sport and uh their personalities that sort of thing and it, yeah it was a great talk
0: absolutely um so shout out to some of our sponsors real quick racer collect um thanks patrick Patton. please go to racercollect.com for all your racing memorabilia needs um, fast times indoor karting i think this week i'm going to release um the fast times pro vs joe's video with sebastian severde um so i'm going to probably release that this week and i think everyone will enjoy it and yeah go to fast times indoor karting if you're in the indie area and you kind of want to f- know what it feels like to you know drive a racing car um it's a lot of fun they're a lot of, they're really fast and um it's where the pros go and um yeah, and you you were we I think we talked about this in the last time, but you, you've you come to the last two, so we'll be releasing those sometime yep. in the future as well. Um as a never, spectator, as, yeah, a, as spectator. a spectator, absolutely as a spectator. I think everyone's probably figured that, but <laughs> you never know. Um, and then well, not last, but race race 92. I will mention um if you notice, I have Alan's junior shirt on. We just launched um alanser jr uh, merchandise collection um officially licensed by alanser jr so um there's i think i got five designs up now so definitely go on there check it out and um if you're a fan of racing you know who alanser jr is um even if you're not a fan of racing you probably know who alanser jr is um if you're fan of if you're not a fan of racing and listening to the podcast um big props to you for sure so i'm guessing if you're listening to the podcast <laughs> You're probably a fan of racing, but obviously Allinger Jr. Um in his prime, probably I mean, one of the greatest IndyCar car yep. drivers of all time. No, no question about it. Um, and it's Bobby I think Bobby Under said it best. I heard a quote once from Bobby Under saying Allinger Jr. in his prime, there probably wasn't anyone on the world that could probably beat him when he was in his prime.
1: Yeah, I'd i agree with that. Of course, Bobby knows great talent, but yeah, um man, I I was a giant. Al Jr. fan. Um, as a, when I was younger, just because I, I really liked his dad and then Al came along and, and uh, yeah, I don't know. He was so good right from the start. And it just, uh, I don't know. I was just always a fan. I, he was somebody that I'd like to see win, you know, if that makes sense. And uh, yeah, it's been great, you know, been able to talk to him a few times. Yeah. Now, you do, now you're working with them, uh, you know, with the T-shirts and stuff like that. And I, I just think that's really great. And I think, it, I think it's important to remember, and it's even strange for me to even say, remember Unser Jr., but I think it, it's important that people remember how great a race car driver this guy really was. I, I, I agree and wholeheartedly. I think he at one time he could have drove anything and won in anything. A lot of people. I mean, if
0: you haven't read his book, definitely. I have I have it somewhere behind me, but definitely read his book. Um, great book, and you know, learned a lot of stuff kind of about about his life. And um, and I mean, he. Te- I didn't realize he tested a Formula One car, but I think he tested for the Williams Formula One team. Um, so that just shows, you know, the, the amount of talent that people knew he had, and the, you know, the opportunities that you know he was kind of given. But. Um,
1: and that's when Williams was Williams. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. that's when Williams was like, uh, you know was a powerhouse
0: absolutely so like i said right now we're just so four different t-shirts and i have a sweatshirt you i was rocking the sweatshirt at the uh, mcgillver yeah show. It's,
1: it's really great yeah I, i'm not gonna give it away go to the website and look at it i and i don't usually comment too much on on stuff like that and i thought that that shirt was really great so yeah,
0: so it's you know, each each design's kind of influenced by a different, you know, aspect of his career. So working on some other ones as well, but this is obviously like the ninety-two helmet, and then um we have one for don't know what indie means, gotta have that, and then you know, a couple inspired one inspired by oh yeah, long beats. He won I didn't realize how many times he won Long yeah. Beach six times. King right. of the beats. So there's one for that, and then um I have um couple designs that are influenced by the um turbo racing video game. Um he actually had three three video games I believe. Um turbo I think was a coolest as far as the design goes. So I think people like that. And um yeah Al like. I, I spoke with Al last week about it. I actually met with him and um his wife Norma would say been great with um you know bouncing some ideas off and um I dropped off some shirts for them and they were happy with it. So we're gonna do some other designs as well and yeah, check out race92.com and um be sure to get your allen Jr. merch, which is crazy yeah. to say. I didn't think we'd ever have it, but it happened. So
1: yeah, that's awesome for you guys. I you know <clears throat> you and uh Jacob and dude yeah. that's just so awesome. Um man, speaking of Long Beach, that's coming up. I mean, Long Beach is next race on the IndyCar next schedule. Race. It's such a you know, it's become such an iconic event. And, of course, a lot of people don't realize today it used to be a Formula One race at one time. And then, you know, it, it went to the Indy cars. But um, it's just such a, it really, I mean, behind Indianapolis Motor Speedway, behind the 500, it's probably the, oh, yeah. the race that everybody looks forward to going to. I've, we've been,
0: me and my dad have been to Long Beach one time and it was, um, it was pretty cool. Long Beach definitely has it figured out from promotional, um, aspect and just, just a fan experience. Um, I will say the food, there's nowhere, no other racetrack I've ever been to that has as many good food options as Long Beach. Um, and it helps. It's like in the middle of a city. Right. But still though, I mean, you know, they have like California pizza set up there with tents. I mean, you know, that can be put in any racetrack. Um you know california pizza king taco which is a sponsor of the of the race which is great um so those are i think i eat king taco just about every day. <laughs> i love king taco but there's like i mean there's like also i mean there's like i don't know like red lobsters and i don't know like olive gardens like just in the middle of the of the racetrack because i mean it's in the middle of a city so um right. go places like that too maybe not olive garden I and mean, there's like one of those barbecue places but um
1: yeah, I mean it's there's just a such of- a. I I I have never been to the racer, oddly enough. Um and looking back, I have no re- I I have no idea why I never went to one. It's yeah. so weird. But um Yeah, and I just know I don't know. I just you just like talking to people and that they they really love it, they really look forward to it. Teams look forward to it. Uh I know that some people were really disappointed that Indy next wasn't part of the race this year. Um, you know, there was talk that they might do might be the support for long beach, but then it ultimately didn't happen. Um, so I know that some people are really desperate. Hopefully that comes back to the schedule. Uh, I think it'd be nice for those drivers to get that type of uh, exposure as well. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's great. But, you know we got to talk about texas texas was today um and texas was a show i mean they indycar did wasn't a lot of fans there but boy indycar sure did yeah. themselves um they did they they did a great show for the fans and it was hard racing 28 cars um you know clean race for the most part yellows breed yellows toward the end of the race um had a couple of yellows um but man you know joseph newgarden wins again joseph newgarden's quickly becoming the master of that place um he has three in the last four years i think or something like that so it's uh man yeah just a great show
0: yeah no great show and um yeah it's really a shame that you know they they don't really get the the amount of people there but i mean texas was always i mean great race it i, th- I think the past couple of years it hasn't been as good as racing but i mean today i mean it was just i mean those last 20 laps or whatever it was close racing for sure and it just you know i think texas has always been a high obviously a high risk track when you talk about sure. just the risks factor and I mean, when you see those guys the moves they were making i mean there's a lot of risks involved in that for good racing and people don't really think about that probably but i i mean i i just feel i just from doing the go-kart stuff going 40 mile an hour like i feel risk just doing something like i couldn't even imagine going 200 mile you know over 200 mile an hour 230 side by side like that i mean it's just it's incredible i mean what those guys do first off and it's just to make good racing right so um, like I said, great race for sure. Um, and first off, um obviously Newgarden was fast, but Pato was yeah. up front. I thought he what, was gonna you, be going to beat.
1: You know, until the last 20 to 40 laps, you could say that it was a, a race of domination, right? Because at one time Pato had everybody a lap down except for Joseph <laughs> yeah. Newgarden, uh, who was like 12 seconds back or something. Um, or maybe more, maybe more like 17. Um, and then, you know, through the course of things, you know, guys got back on lead lap and, um, and they just come and shoot out the end. So, I mean, it was like Newgarden dominated the first part after some lead swaps early with Dixon and, and, uh, Rosenquist. And then, uh, he settled in, you know, Led a bunch of laps, and Pato then later on settled in. Led a bunch of laps, but man, that ending was was excellent.
0: Yeah, and I mean, David Malukas, that's one. I mean, David ran good last year. He ran really good. I mean, he could have won. I think it was Gateway. Yeah, it was Gateway. Yeah, and second secondly, Gateway last year. How he was running today? I mean, it's just. I mean, he's fast. He's going to definitely be a force to be reckoned with. I wouldn't be surprised. I heard. I remember hearing rumors last year of him. it was a rumor like him going to the like, it was like Penske or something crazy, but I mean, he's definitely a good driver and I wouldn't be surprised if a big team were to pick him up at some point. I mean, Dale coin is definitely not a bad team to be with.
1: No, Dale Coyne's a good team. Uh, Ricardo who team's team is a really great team too yeah. for these young drivers. Um, yeah. Now Dale coin. I mean, of course that's a whole, hopefully we get to talk to him someday. You know, that's a whole different deal. You know, Dale was his, quote-unquote starting part kind of guy early in his career just so they can keep going. And then once he got out of the seat, they just kind of built that up over the last, I guess we're looking at 30 years now, right? And, um, and it's just it's so impressive what they've done and how many great race car drivers they've had. And, um, but yeah, but anyway, going back to Texas today, man, you know, of course you had your major players, uh penske wins mclaren's up front ganassi's up front scott dixon just does what scott dixon does alex below whatever the differences they they've had are obviously in the past now alex below it looks like he's ascending back up to being the number one driver at um ganassi because frankly he he you know as much as i love scott dixon uh, you know, it's not the Scott, D- you know, Scott Dixon's great at speedway he's great at all these places. Scott Dixon just knows how to manage races and win and, and be up front of championships. Um, uh, but I think, I think we could say that Scott Dixon's faster days are behind him. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that with anything, any kind of, um, disrespect. I just, I think it's, you know, I think you can make that argument. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh but Alex Pelow, man, he looked good today. He looked great today. And uh he really did, yeah. You know, and Chip Ganassi, uh, if anybody gets a chance to watch the Dale Jr. download with Chip Ganassi, I I really I watched that and I gained a whole new level of respect for Chip. Uh and he talks about the Pelow situation. He's just very cut and dry. He's like, I had a contract. Either he's gonna drive for me or somebody's gonna pay me. There's no there's no animosity, essentially I'm paraphrasing that, but uh like he's been a driver, he knows what it's like, but uh, but if anybody has a chance to watch that, I highly suggest it because it was uh excellent. Uh it, it makes you see it made me see Chip Canassi in, in a whole different light. But again, getting back to the race, man. We gotta talk about uh RLL racing. I really like Graham Ray Hall. I like the, I like the fact he's got that team. I think he's got some great drivers there, but they are struggling. Yeah, and, and it's sad to see because really, in my mind, that team is an Andretti or they you know, won Texas.
0: I mean, they won Texas yeah, not that right. long ago. And,
1: and you know, I and I think that if you listen to Graham's uh, Graham's uh, interviews, he's saying the same thing. Like this is unacceptable. Like we're a better team than this and uh and they're running in the back, I mean, he gets caught up in uh Devlin D francesco's um situation, you know he brushes the fence the car is kind of out of control, he can't steer it it's not it's not really necessarily his fault um but you know Ray Hall's in the back there, and he's just <laughs> he can't really miss him, he gets over him, crashes, you know, so now it's insult to. You know, it's it's uh, kind of an insult way to end the day. Not only were you getting none of your cars fast, but now you got one absolutely destroyed, and um, and that's what's going to happen when you run the back like that. And I sure hope they can turn it around. Uh, I know a couple of people that work for them, great people. Um, so I I sure hope they can turn it around because I I really I mean this sport needs them to be up front as well, and they should be up front. Um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of what I saw, um, from the race. Hopefully they go back to Texas. I feel like everybody says that every year, which does not bode well for them getting back to Texas. But, you know, you look though, Dallas had the final four, I think women's, I think the final four men's was in Houston um you know coda ran not that long ago so i mean it's a hard ticket to sell i think on top of everything else because there's if you're rate, if you're a race fan well you've already may have went and saw the cup cars at at, uh coda or if you also like you know basketball you may have gotten final four tickets
0: yeah exactly uh,
1: you know who knows but um, I'd sure like to see those crowds get bigger. I know that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, so other racing, um, NASCAR at Richmond, Kyle Larson, I did not watch that race. Did not either. But um, um,
1: The only thing I know about is I saw a photo of Larson and Jeff Gordon standing in victory lane. There you go. That's, That's all, all I know, know about it. That's
0: all you need to know. Right. <laughs> Outside of that, Formula One, Austin. Uh, Austin. Oh, my gosh. Formula One at Ast- in Australia. Australian Grand right. Prix. Um, we're talking about Texas, but I <laughs> got, but yeah, Formula one is Grand Prix. Um, I, I, did watch the majority of it. Um, Max for strapping was
1: doing Max yeah. for
0: strapping things. Um, that was one, a crazy race. Yeah. It was. So they, they, I don't know if this is a new rule. I, maybe I haven't watched Formula one as much as I have this year, but they, this thing where they're restarting, like they're doing like the staining start with a couple laps well, to go.
1: So if you had a red flag, which they yeah. had two red flags, On a red flag, you do you go back to your standing start, right? That's it. I think it was Hamilton said that second one they had no business doing a a red flag on that. They could have. Yeah, it was
0: kind of a mess, and they ended up kind of reinstating the positions, basically.
1: Yeah, so it, it looked like to me, in a weird roundabout way, that after the crash, after that, then they just they threw the checkered on the race. And then they reverted back to the last scored lap, is what it looked to me like. And if you were still running, you got your spot back. Um, yeah. You know, because uh, Alonso ends up running third, right? Second or third? Third. Yeah. So, which is great. I mean, he's had. You talk about a. Yeah. You. Talk, I mean, I mean that's that's insane how well they've run this year.
0: Yeah, and I um, mean he's finished third I think in every race. I think he's been yeah, in every race. Yeah, I think so point. too
1: um he's third in, i know he's third in the championship i mean that's just if you yeah. had told me fernando alonso was going to run top three in the an Aston Martin. races this, yeah and this year i just said i'd i'd, I'd throw in a hundred bucks at you and said there ain't no way yeah um but man he's doing it that just shows you how great that guy is oh, um yeah. but i mean there was that that racer had a lot of spins a lot of contact uh the place looks narrow I've never really paid attention to it before, but that place looks pretty narrow. It, um, so, but anyways, that looked like a pretty good race too, though.
0: Yeah, no, it was a pretty good race. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I th- I think that's it, right? So, pretty much, pretty much, that's that's about
1: as much as I know, at least.
0: Obviously, we're getting closer and closer to May, like we said, and it will be here be here before you know. I know Indy next. Um, tests out on the Speedway this week.
1: Yep, they have a road course test on Wednesday. Um, don't know if, you know, the weather looks pretty uh, pretty rough on Wednesday. Um, I don't know if it's tornado-esque, but it's <laughs> looks like high winds, you know, pretty hard rain. So I don't know if they'll reschedule for Thursday if they get there Wednesday and it just becomes something they can't run in. Uh, I mean, you could run the wet, but you can't run... When the weather's just, you know, completely horrible,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like I said, I think everyone will enjoy the um, Didier Tay's interview, and um, yeah. I think the next one will probably release in the Gilvery show. And um, yeah, until then, um, make sure you. Hey,
1: we got to give a shout out to uh, Stingray Rob, guest of the show. Um, you know, he was running good today. Yeah, He's staying out um, of trouble. It just unfortunately, it was you know just yeah, one of those deals broke the steering, uh then the thing just took off with a mind of its own, looked like a hard hit on the inside, uh but i he sounded like he was okay, so you know that's always awesome to hear, um but yeah, give a shout out to him, man that I mean, he was up there, you know as a rookie uh i mean that place is tough <laughs> that place is tough on rookies. so he had a pretty good day going for rookie and i'd say that next year when he goes back he'll he'll even have a better race man we were talking about this earlier but when he when he
0: hit the wall and then he went down the track i took a huge gasp i was like oh boy this this could this yeah. <laughs> could be big but fortunately um you know he he came through pretty much unscathed he had the, you know a little kind of a hard look like a pretty hard um impact there but you know oh, the, it safety, was, it, the safety it was of hard. the cars it, it, tv obviously you can't really tell watch watson on tv but it, it looked pretty hard on tv but you know fortunately the car is pretty safe now and um you know the 90s i probably would have some fr- foot injuries from that
1: early 90s for sure yeah. yeah
0: so you know fortunate for the safety and um happy that stingray was able to walk away pretty much unscathed from that deal he may be a little sore in the morning i'm sure but um yeah great guy and um yeah i think it's you know and he, as he was saying in st pete he got to pretty much experience in st pete everything there is to experience in it right moment, so
1: right yeah
0: he's got some great yeah.
1: experience good and bad good
0: and bad and you're it's good to have some bad experiences right i mean
1: you learn well yeah you, that's where you learn right yeah that's, absolutely that's where the, you know unfortunately that's the bad experiences is what helps you learn, you know, so you can have the good experiences later on. Absolutely. Well,
0: thanks everyone for watching. Um, Please make sure you like and subscribe. And we did forget one sponsor. If you look at we Scott did. here, you'll notice that he's pretty comfortable. It is getting warmer here in Indianapolis. Um, and thanks to the good folks at Good Guys Heating and Cooling.
1: Scott Bowie is nice, comfortable, and cool. I am. Yeah, Ryan and, and the folks there are Awesome if you're in the indie area, please look them up. Um, you can find them on the internet. Uh, good guys, heating and air. Uh, yeah. I mean, they've saved me a few times. They do flawless work. Um, you know, with the air conditioning season getting ready to come on, uh, come about, it'd be good to have somebody come out and inspect your air conditioner, make sure everything's in good working order. And, uh um, you know, you can definitely reach out to them. I think they're running run a pretty good deal on that right now. So, but yeah, please contact them and they will treat you right. Absolutely. Well, hope everyone has a great weekend. Like I said, please like and subscribe and
0: thanks for watching and listening. Take care, everybody. Our guest today drove in three Indy 500s and was overall winner of two 24 Hours of Daytona. We are joined by Didier Tays. Didier, thank you so much for joining us. It's really an honor to have you on the show.
2: Thank you very much. I mean, uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, to talk about racing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So I know you're still obviously extremely active with racing, um, even though you're obviously not racing, but you're still involved with racing. But talk a little bit about how you first got interested in racing.
2: Well, I mean, uh, you know, my background, I mean, I was born in Belgium and, uh, you know, was already in those days, uh, you know, the best way to, uh to end up racing in uh, in open wheel is to start racing go-karts. And uh, I raised go kart in the uh, European Championship. You know, I started quite late, actually. I started racing go kart when I was 16. And I, uh, you know, I, uh, I did the European Championship and I won the Belgian Championship. And, uh, and after that, you know, I mean, I want to do it open wheel. I never had any, you know, uh, Formula 1 in mind. I just went step by step and that... Actually, I made a loan at the bank and I went to uh, to England to raise Formula Ford. And uh, that's how I started in 1978.
0: Right on. So um, at what point did you kind of realize like it's something you wanted to do for a living? Well, I mean,
2: I started to uh, raise Formula Ford. And, uh, and like I said, I made a loan at the bank and I didn't have any money. And uh, <laughs> I started to make some results, you know, just enough, uh, you know, prize, prize money in those days to... Uh, uh, to pay the bank uh, back and uh, say, well, I mean, why not? And I kept going, kept going. And after winning Formula Four Championship, uh, Belgian, Holland, European Championship races, um, you know, I was lucky to be integrated to uh, the the Marlboro team. You know, I was sponsored by Marlboro in Formula Three, uh, many podiums in Formula Three, then Formula Two. Uh, then you know, when, uh, in 1985, you know. Uh, you know, the Formula 2 became Formula 3000 in those days. And uh, they were using the old Formula 1 ward and then became pretty expensive. Uh, that's why I, I ended up in America. And, uh, you know, Tico Martini, who was a manufacturer in Formula 3 uh, in Europe, asked me to drive a Super V for them in the U.S. And Super V was pretty strong. I mean, he looked Super V, you know, when in, uh, in the early 80s. And, uh, you had Michael Andretti Aluncer Jr. won those championships. And they said, well, if I don't make Formula One in Europe, maybe I can make an in an IndyCar. And uh, I came here to race Super V. I won the championship in 86. And I automatically, when I won the championship in Super V, I was hired by Sport to race uh, IndyLite. And I won the, the, the championship also in Light. And then after that, I find a ride in an in IndyCar. And I race IndyCar between 87 and, uh, and 93. And then after that, you know, I moved to sports car. Giampiero uh, Murti, who was uh, uh Italian owner of Momo steering wheel, asked me to race Daytona with Deminate in '95, which is what I did. And then I started with that Ferrari 383 for many races and winning Daytona with that car and the same years, and also you Wacky's know, Land and two other races. Uh, you know, uh, sports car racing was a new. A new step for me, and um, and I
1: raced sports car till uh, 2008 when I retired. Was, uh, was it just a case, I mean, I'm assuming your dream was Formula One, uh, you know, being where you're from, the circuit you're running. Um, was it disappointing to have to come to America, or was it just part of the adventure?
2: No, I turned the page, you know, I mean, I, I know the... When after I raised Formula 2, uh, you know, I was in contact with some different, you know, teams and the price tag to make you weigh in, in those days was a million dollar. Belgium, you know, it's a small country, you know, advertising budget to put one million dollar together uh, in those days was pretty, pretty hard. And uh, no, actually, you know, I went step by step. I didn't really any any goal to, of IndyCar. It did well, I mean, it didn't work in Formula 3 or from, well, Formula 2 or Formula 1 in Europe. Let's try something else. And I came here and I discovered America. And after <laughs> one season, I really enjoy it. And I've been here for 37 years now. My kids <laughs> born here, and uh, you know, I uh, I felt uh, welcome. Uh, and uh, you know, no way I will move away. You know, I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> no, I was not disappointed. It was just
1: a, a different different uh, way to uh, to succeed in racing. You How- just won the race, and you didn't care. You didn't care. Where, when, how, as long as you can the make most money important is the race. To win race.
2: The, yeah, the most important is to win race. I mean, it doesn't matter what you win. And actually, I always tell you know young drivers now, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. If you win race, you race, it's just like a train, the train moving. You can jump out of one wagon, and you can jump out of the other wagon. But the key is to keep moving with the train. And if you win races, maybe you're going to win races a smaller formula for maybe one year or too much. But if you win race, you race, know, the door will, will open one day. You know in any case you know i i don't believe too much in luck in racing is always a reason for something It's always a reason when you win there's always a reason when you lose and uh, if you can keep that train moving all the time you will always find an opportunity
0: so how familiar were you really with indycar how much did you follow indycar when you came over here i mean was it something you or, um you know, you followed over. Completely zero. I mean, only only seeing, you know, the
2: exposure in Europe of the Indy 500, because I mean, in those days, in the 80s, the only race, you know, from Europe, from the, you know, racing newspaper was the right. Indy 500, you know, uh, but it's funny because when I came here to race Super V, I, I noticed in the paddock, you know, while Super V was, most of the race was in support race of IndyCar, I mean, in the paddock, I recognized some mechanics from the Formula 3 days, you know, from my early days in Europe, which is well. I mean, you know, you see, guys, you 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 already met in the past. It was kind of a you know easy to uh, uh, to be accepted. I would say.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, when was your first actual time on an oval? So it would have been like Phoenix, maybe, or did you do any? Yeah, no, no, it
2: actually was even worse. Well, if it was Phoenix, it was kind of easy. I think the first time was in Sun Air in Quebec. Oh.
1: Okay. That, that's yeah.
2: when uh, Rick Meyers had a big accident. Uh huh. Eighty-five. That was my first oval. Wow!
1: <laughs> I will get your attention, right?
2: <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, that car, that Martini. I mean, it was a, uh, it was a just like a Formula Three car, exactly like the rolls in those days and uh, that martini was quite competitive in, uh, in europe in the european formula three championship and the only difference actually was the tires a little bit narrower and the engine was gonna be more horsepower than the formula three um you know i had a hard time at the beginning not the racing over uh but just to set up the car because i didn't have much experience and uh, luckily i find a, a good mechanics had some overall experience and uh, actually i won my first overall race after uh, Maybe three or four races in almost. So I won the the night. It was a famous race in those days. I don't know if it still is, but the, the Super B race the night before the 500 was uh, IRP in Indianapolis right. on a Saturday night. And I had the luck to uh, to win that race. And that was it, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, this year they run uh, uh, US 2000 with them. Okay. A, okay. Millions okay. and yeah. Silver Crown cars and US 2000.
2: Yeah, it's funny at the end, you know, I was in the podium in that race. Uh, just a little story. And uh, I could hear somebody uh, you, who yelled my name from the grandstand. And I looked and I didn't recognize that person. And actually, it was Ari Leone's dad. And I knew <laughs> Ari Leone's dad because he had a Formula Four team in Europe. And he came to see Harry racing in IndyCar. And, uh, you know, of course, I met him quite a few times in Europe, a big racer, you know, and uh, it was funny to hear my name from the grandstand, you know, Indianapolis, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, how big of a learning curve was it for you to go from, obviously, a pretty much a complete, you know, road racing background to, to racing novels?
2: It, you know, I understand in overall, I mean, you know, and more in IndyCar than actually in the light or, or Super V. Um, I, I would say racing the no-horse is 60% of the car and 40% of the driver. On the road course, is the other way around. In the road course, is 60% of the driver and 40% of the car. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I was lucky actually because I, you know, I have a good technical uh, feeling background to set up the car. And it didn't take too much for me to understand what, you know, the car needs. Like, uh, some few areas on the car I was not familiar at the beginning, like the stagger, like like the tilt, you know, and uh, put more camber in one side and the other side, you know. Uh, but when you learn that after a few practice, you know, uh, I mean, you, you feel what the car needs, you know. Yeah. People, I mean, sometimes super V drivers didn't understand how I can drive the car very neutral because, you know, to be safe, you need to have a lot of understeer. And, uh, but I could manage to have the car quite neutral. And of course, the neutral car is faster.
1: Sure. You know, you mentioned... Uh... You know, you you had mechanics that really helped you when you you know, when you first transitioned to ovals and that. And um, did you know, was were most of your rides uh in Europe and in America, at least early on, uh rides that you kinda of picked for yourself, or were these just opportunities that the doors just opened up for for you? Well
2: want you know, in racing, don't forget, you you know the door was never open. You need to push the door yourself. And, right.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, I, in those days, I, I didn't have any agent, you know. Uh, you know, i always been, you know, by myself. And, uh, you know, the only time I had some help is when I was a, a Marlboro driver in, in the 80s where the, the cigarette money was quite not easy, but, you know, it was also a good, uh, you know, a good push. You know to find a good a good ride, and uh but I didn't have that when I came to the U.S. The only opportunity I have is you know the manufacturers called Martini asked me to drive his car in the U.S. because he want to sell cars here, and and I did my job because I won race, I won the championship, and uh you know and after that I was lucky enough to uh, uh, a, a good racer and uh became a good friend. This is, uh, Steve Warren from True Sport, uh, if you remember, you know in, in the eighties uh, True Sport ran the boot visor car for Bobby Real and I became teammate of Bobby uh, in Indy Light. And actually, I did one Indy car race with Bobby in, uh, in the end of the season. Uh, to actually, the team thanked me for my uh, title in, uh, in Indy Light. It was not the Indy Light name in those days, it was American Racing Series, but it's the same, you know, it's, it became, it's just the name change. Uh, but, you know, uh, you know, opportunities, you know, you win race, you dare, you show up and you're nice to people and that's why i i said i i don't believe in luck there's always a reason for something and uh, i was lucky enough to uh, to push the door was a little bit open
0: absolutely so you know talking about ovals obviously indy 500 you know everyone all the drivers we have talk about you know racing indy and we we've, we've interviewed a lot of drivers that kind of have a similar background to you where they did basically all road course racing and then they just kind of jump into indy cars start doing ovals um, and, you know, Indy 500, obviously, a lot of people say it's it's a lot more intimidating the, than, you know, the most norm, the, your normal um, oval, right? So kind of what was your sure. first um, impression of um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway?
2: Well, I have to admit, you know, physically and mentally, uh, uh, Indy is probably the most difficult because, you know, in my days, it was like five weeks because I did my rookie orientation the first year. And that, I spent five weeks at Indy and it's very difficult to keep your motivation, you know, uh, you know, for five weeks in a row. Every time you go in the car and then you get a day off because it's raining, then you go back in the car. It's tough. Um, I felt, you know, Indy not that difficult uh, to drive. I would say Phoenix International Raceway, one mile overall is definitely much more demanding than Indy. Uh, because you're driving in 19 seconds. You know, uh, I remember my first race at, the, at, at uh, Phoenix, when I, I finished the race and when I went out of the car, I couldn't really walk straight because the, the blood on your body goes in one side. It's like you drank driving for five minutes, you know. Indy, it's, uh it's all about setup of the car. It's all about the team, you know, putting the right... The, the right setup i mean i mean in those days i mean I'm, i think it's still the same now i mean we end up having dealing with half a degree of front wing after degree i mean it's the, the, the team is very very need to be very very precise to uh, to make a good car yes but i, I to be honest i know you know i never really felt uh indeed you cannot really overdrive the car in the road course, if the car is not that right, like Long Beach Grand Prix, where you get a little bit of a push or you get the car loose, you still can manage to change your style to mm-hmm. cover that. In 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 high speed, like Indianapolis, you cannot do that. I mean, you can manage to control the car and maybe save the car and if the car goes a little bit sideways in one corner, but you're gonna save it once. You're not gonna save it twice. You know, you end up in the wall. Right.
0: Absolutely. You know, the big thing that, you know, we've interviewed a couple drivers that say that the big thing to really go into ovals for them was, and it was around the same time era that, you know, you kind of got into was they're holding their head up like on ovals um, because some of them didn't have like the, the helmet straps. Like did you guys have helmet straps when you raced? Yeah, It was a strap plus, plus
2: the pillow on the, on the headrest. Yeah. 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 And also the, the, you know, you're tight. You tie We had just little straps here, and you tie it more or less. It depends where you you have feeling in the car. Yes, yeah. But we had already we had already the big the big headrest, you know. when actually, you put some form yeah. on the side. But actually, that was I mean, in my days, the only the main you know thing to hold your helmet was the strap because uh, the headrest on the side with the vibration you cannot really have the helmet touching that too
1: much because even if it's it soft. You still
2: have vibration and you don't see that well you know yeah
1: well did you ever have a problem with the buffeting as well yeah
2: we i we tried many different helmets and uh, and actually you know a uh, Bell made, in my days bell make a good helmet and actually i kept using that helmet in an open uh, uh, you know prototype after that uh, you know uh, to try to get some buffeting, you know, uh, with a you know little uh, girly on the top, uh, you just get a we call that the duck, uh, you know, uh, shape here on the front of the helmet. We had few devices to keep, you know, to keep the helmet stable. And actually, I use the same helmet when I uh, when I start to race force car like Daytona, for example, with the Ferrari 323 or some other open cockpit car, you know, that helmet uh, was a good help, you know, when you do traffic. Switch. by when you're by yourself, it's not really a big problem, but when you have cars in the front of you, you know, you get so many uh, moving uh, moving air and then your helmet goes like that. It, it makes the helmet pretty stable when you follow somebody, yeah. What
1: was your uh, best start at Indy? At Indy? Yeah. Um, okay. Qualification is always interesting. <laughs> you get a lot
2: of pressure. <laughs> I mean, I never been very lucky at Indy. You know, I with uh, you know my only time I run in the top ten was with uh, Granatelli, and it was a mistake uh, uh, of a pit stop at the end, and I end up I think in eleven or something like that. My first year with uh, with Arciero, I, fi- I finished quite far, and the last time in in ninety three, I was driving for uh, Ron Emmergarn. I had the craft in practice the day before qualify. Uh, if you go to tr- look on the on YouTube, you can see my craft in turn four. Uh, I lost the car. We were trimming the car to get some good straightaway speed. And uh, I, I lost the car. But I, I managed to qualify the following week. Uh, and the car was repaired. It was the same car. But i never been competitive, you know. I've never been competitive at, at Indy like I was in the road course.
1: Right. I uh, The reason why I ask is because, you know, Everybody's got their story about the starts, you know. if he, I just, I didn't see where you started, you know. The further back, middle, of the, gets,
2: middle of, of the pack. I mean, yeah, the start yeah. is kind of, a, you know, it's funny. But my first time there, uh, you know, when you practice the, pro, the, the the month of May, you by yourself. Even on the qualify weekend, you get in those days it was two hundred thousand people showing up for qualify. And uh, yeah, the grandstand are, are quite okay. You know, it's not full, but you get a lot of people. Then you show up on race day. And you go behind the pace car on the first lap, and with that crowd of people in turn one, I mean, it makes the track darker, and you think you think the color change because you know, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. I mean, it, you, you, the last time you drive the car is on Corporation day on Thursday, but mm-hmm. it's not that many people there. But when you show up on race day, it's, everything is full, and it sure, the track is different. I mean, I'm sorry for my French, but you know, the track is different, and uh, and actually, you know, it take one or two laps to see it's funny that that darkness of the people of the grandstand reflect that to the track and you think the track is different and you think turn one is tight and also when you start to go that speed with you know uh you know with uh the ethanol you know uh, the methanol. uh i mean you cry in your helmet because you know you get when you start in the middle of the of the pack you know you get that you know you know that that all those exhaust, you know, you know, free up that methanol from the engine, you know, and you smell that, and actually you cry, you know, you get what wow, you cry, you get you, you, you get you, your eyes are really moist, you know, from that. And that was my also uh, say, oh, what's this? And then I, you know clean up after two, three laps, but the first pull up is pretty tough, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, you're talking a little bit about um the 500 kind of being physically demanding but if you look at the most so most physically demanding road course back then was probably like um detroit detroit detroit, detroit. grand prix so if you compare <laughs> like detroit to end of the indy 500 um kind of where oh, does no, that I compare mean, uh, with road course, demanding? The, the indy 500
2: you still can you know kind of uh, relax a little bit straight away you know uh, when mm-hmm. the car is right you know it's physically is not that difficult. Uh no, I mean a, a road course like Long Beach Grand Prix or, or Detroit and I actually mm-hmm. also won pretty hard race I remember uh physically because the heat was the the Indica race at Cleveland, you know, on that airport, uh, oh, the yeah. Brooklyn airport. And that was always the fourth July weekend with like 95% humidity and alongside the lake, uh, it was pretty hard to breathe, you know, uh, and don't forget, I mean, those cars, those Indy cars in those days, they had 800 horsepower, the H gearbox, no power steering, uh, no traction control, uh, which is, those cars were pretty, pretty physical.
1: <laughs> and that, uh, and that airport wasn't exactly the smoothest either.
2: No, exactly. No, it was okay. It was okay. With, right. you know, maybe Meadowlands was it was a bit burnt beer and uh, uh, the smallest race uh, re, uh, road course uh, street race, I would say uh, well, actually it was the Tamai Tamai Tamay- Tam Miami Park. You know, Miami, you know, the, the part there was pretty smooth, you know, it uh, uh, was a smooth race track. But yeah, yeah, but for sure, Cleveland was kind of bumpy. Yeah. And what also a- difficult to see because, I mean, airport is pretty wide mm-hmm. going to a, you know, a, a, a corner where the apex, you need to be at the apex and then you can have a 3 cars side by side because they're so wide. It was quite interesting. Yes.
0: <laughs> what, what was the track? I like it? it. I like it there was a track of champ car racing and i don't know you guys may have raced out of too with the train track on the track was that cleveland No, or maybe they changed it
1: no it was like uh because the cars got, got airborne ball, oh, okay like
0: i think you're right yeah because cars used to get airborne okay but i i mean
2: to be honest i had more um you know, uh, more success in uh, mm-hmm. in uh, in sports car because I drove probably for better teams. Uh, you know, I managed to have you know quite a few uh, pole position at Daytona before the twenty four. Uh, you know, uh, winning you know race like the Glen uh, six hours, fighting you know wheel to wheel with some other cars.
1: Um, I mean, uh, I had better equipment in sports car racing than I did in any car. Yeah, I mean. When you look over your list of accomplishments, it's it's pretty staggering, all the championships and everything that you've done. It's uh and, you know, a lot of early open world success, obviously. Um IndyCar being its own monster. Uh but man, your sports car success is just unbelievable. My my, my only
2: regret in IndyCar, you know, and when I look on all my season, the only time I drove a car from the year is nineteen nineteen eighty eight when I drove for Dick Simon. It was an 88 Lola. Well, you know, every car I drove after that, it was one year old car. Um, I drove for a good team uh, in those days, but they didn't have the right equipment. Uh, it was for Vin Granatelli uh, with Larry Currie, who was a crew chief. Mm-hmm. Um, I drove a Penske with a Buick engine um, because, you know, Granatelli was putting everything he can to be successful at the, at the 500. And you know, the push the push road Buick in those days was a good engine to have. Well, what we learned is it was a good engine to have in qualify, uh, because the horsepower. But in the race, uh, when you end up in the traffic and you have to back up the throttle, you know, and on, you know, because you cannot be flat in those days all the time. Well, with the torque of the engine, it changed so much, you know, the pitch of the car, and you you lost so much downforce, and the car was very easy, uh, very difficult to drive. Sorry, in the race compared to qualify. And um, and the other years, you know, it was always you know a years old uh, a year old car, and then that's had a bit of frustration. Not to have at least one season in a decent car and Indy car to hopefully make some more podium than I did, yeah. Right, but no, right. I'm still sleeping. At, I'm still sleeping at night. You know, another <laughs> one. You know, like you know, drivers who, who race. You know, sports car racing. You want to have. Daytona Sebring and Le Mans. Well, I get Daytona Sebring, I get three podiums at Le Mans, and I missed the win twice. Uh, but you know, hey, that's life. That's racing. You know.
1: <laughs> what was uh, what is that Le Mans experience like? And we've asked. Several drivers, this and they, and they all have a little bit different answer. But what was your experience like there? Well, I
2: I, I learned Le Mans in the eighties when there was no chicane in the straightaway of Moselle, right. and we were two hundred forty-five miles an hour every lap in right. you know, a Portland sixty-two. And uh, you know, you know, it's it's like Indy when you know on a fast racetrack. You know, you went away for a year and then you come back. Well, you know, just like Indy, you know, the first few lap, well, you you hold the steering wheel pretty tight. Then you became more relaxed, you know, you look at further and further. And then, you know, after five, six, six laps, it became like normal. And, uh, you know, I, I remember my second or, no, no, my fourth Le Mans, I was driving for a Swiss team called Walter Brun. And... Um, in all amount to reduce the horsepower of the engine, uh, we we allowed to have a certain amount of fuel for 24 hours, which is we try to save fuel to get enough fuel if we have to push the last hour of racing to win the race. And the middle of the night, you know, I end up uh, pitting with my teammate uh, who, dro- who drove the other car. His name is Oscar Laroli, and, uh, and we, we thought, talking to each other. We understood, well, let's, let's help each other. We get a long away here. We can some, save some fuel by playing draft. And actually, we played draft for a full stint of 55 minutes for 12 laps. Actually, 13. I'll explain in a second why. You know, uh, one lap I was, you know, had my nose was on the knees, on the knees uh, is tail at 245 miles miles an hour. One lap is him, one lap and we managed actually to do an extra lap by saving fuel. At that speed, the throttle went halfway and we kept the same speed in a straightaway. And we managed to save fuel for one extra lap. Well, then you go back in the motor room and you think about it, yes, you make an extra lap, wonderful, you know, uh, and then you just think about it, well, it's just kind of crazy at 245 miles an hour, an hour, you know, he was putting his turn signal when he was passing a GT. In those days, there was bigger gap in speed between the GT cars and the prototype, which is, you know, we had to be careful when we passed, but we trust each other and we managed to do an extra lap. It's kind of stupid, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One well, one thing I want to ask real quick about um, kind of combining 500 and Le Mans kind of into this question. Um, obviously, you were familiar with the, you know, the pageantry with Le Mans ever before you ever came over to do the Indy 500. Um, and obviously, Indy 500 greatest or biggest, largest day single sporting event or whatever. Kind of how did that compare to you for you? Um, you know, obviously, you were familiar with all the pageantry at Le Mans, a lot of people there. But Indy 500 obviously is a whole different atmosphere as well. So, what what was your kind of initial thought of that? Well,
2: the most, I mean, the the part where you know, and actually, you read, you realize that after you know, when you drive, you don't even think about it because you only think about turn one and how oh, to end up turn one, how oh, to make the strategy for the race. But you know, I I went back after I stopped racing IndyCar, especially for the hundred years anniversary. You know, one thing was really really exceptional. Uh, at the Indy 500 is the emotional feeling of the start. I mean, all the ceremony before you go in the race car, I mean, it's only one place in the world and it's the Indy 500. You cannot really compare that to uh, anything else. Even if Le Mans get a lot of show before the start, it's not at the level of Indy. Well, it's a Memorial Day weekend, you get the military, you get the people there, you get the jet, you get the, the national anthem, you know, I mean, Indy is only indie. You cannot control that, and I, for me, is the most is the number one, uh, definitely
1: number one. We've had a couple of guys even talk about the uh, parade. You know, when you ride the cars, with the cars downtown, we've yes. had uh, uh, we had a few guys say that that was their favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, you get you know, I
2: mean, a hundred thousand people. there on the sidewalk, and then and you wave to everybody. You know, uh, yeah, definitely, it's it's something. Yeah, it's a, but you know when you race. Uh, you know you still focus. you're still thinking about yeah you're there you your body is there but your mind is already set up for the day after
1: Right. you know
2: you're part of the yeah you go with the flow but you don't really think too much about that because you 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 on the race already you know right
0: <laughs> so when when was your first 24 hours at daytona um that was that after you started indycar no it, it was actually
2: you know uh no before um I actually was in um, uh, no, no. It was after. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I raced Sebring in '86, um, and actually, just by I, I was racing Super V, and I, uh, I, I went to see. I was in Florida testing somewhere. I don't remember, and I went to see the the Sebring 12 Hours just to see, and I I knew already. Jean-Pierre Moretti, uh, you know, raised the Momo car. He was racing a. Uh, uh, a March a Buick. Uh, and actually, it was a two car team. And uh, one of the drivers was sick. And he asked me if I can drive the race with Tom Glory. And I say yes, you know, and I did a few laps in practice to get familiar with the, the track and the race, and the, and the race car. Uh, but in front of I didn't drive the car, you know, in the race because the engine blew up before my my turn. Uh, but uh, I think Daytona was 94. My first Daytona was 94 with a Ferrari GT, actually. Uh, and then 95 starting with the Momo car, the Ferrari 333.
0: How many co-drivers did you have? Because I know at one point there was only like two co-drivers in some circumstances. Well, in,
2: in, in the old days, they, if you look at Daytona in the 60s, 70s, I mean, even Le Mans, two driver was enough. Mainly because uh, the car was less, less physical. I mean, no downforce. A very light ste- light steering wheel. Uh, the grip level of the tires and the suspension were not that great, mm-hmm. uh, and actually that's what made the big difference. That was that why two drivers in the sixteen seventies was plenty enough. But then you start to have big wing, uh, big aero downforce, like you know those GTP cars or Group C, and it start to be physical, and that's where Le Mans moved to three drivers. Yeah. The most physical endurance race is probably Daytona and Sebring. Daytona because you get 12 hours of night and uh, you know, uh, and you're in the traffic all the time. I mean, uh, you get you know like 60 cars starting the race. I mean, you 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 between GTS all the time, and it's part of Daytona also. It's not only the speed, but also also get the feeling of the GT you catch up. To make sure that guy you know sees you where you can pass inside outside it's all you know it's all part of the race and it's part of the racing it's not only uh, the fastest guy who wins the race at Daytona but he's probably the smarter guy you know uh, to feel to feel in the traffic you can you can
0: feel that car ahead
2: of you if he sees you or not you know
0: now right. were you were you someone that was able to sleep during those endurance races yeah or? yeah
2: definitely yes I mean like Le Mans when you were you have three, three drivers and, uh, you know, at night, you know, we try to do a triple stint. Uh, a triple stint is three times 50 minutes. Okay. And, uh, if two drivers can do two triple stints. Well, that's, that's four hours you can be, you know, after you had your meal and you go in the motor room. you have a massage, you know. I mean, you can sleep four hours and four hours is a good night. And then you come back fresh, you know, middle of the night or early morning and you're ready to push. And that gives you a good motivation because, you know, the, when you go back in the car at five, five o'clock, you know, you get sunrise at 5.30 because Le Mans is mid-June and the night goes between 10.30 and 5.30 in the morning. And and they put uh, new tires in the car, and you're ready to make a good lap, and uh, that gives you good motivation to go fast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Um, So then, you know, kind of when when you get out of racing, um, obviously you're still involved in racing. Talk a little bit about some of the you know things that you did after. You were kind of done racing. I know you worked for well, Ferrari. My, my last race was the,
2: I was re- racing the Le Mans series in Europe, driving a mm-hmm. Porsche uh, RS Spider LMP2. And, uh, you know, the last race of the season uh, of that championship was uh, the the six hours of uh, Silverstone. And uh, I was, uh, my team was Freddie Lienhardt and Jan Lambers. And we finished second of that race. Uh, that race was actually was won by uh, Jules Verstappen, the father of Max Verstappen. Right. You know, it's all well. And uh, I know Porsche uh, was already the fourth year of the program. uh, And I know they will not make any development of that car. I know the Acura was making a a new car was probably faster than the Porsche. And I was 52 years old and I said to myself, well, I am in the podium. I don't really want to drive GT cars, you know, and just, just to get, you know, just to to stay in it, you know, when I decide it was the right time to retire. And uh, you know, I um, you know for six months I was thinking uh, what what to do, you know, and uh, all of a sudden Ferrari uh, called me uh, Ferrari North America, and uh, they asked me, "Oh, can you come back as a head coach uh, like you did, you know, if you, you know, in the 90s when you were driving the Ferrari 233? When I was driving the Ferrari in those days, they uh, the the president of Ferrari North America asked me if I could uh, help and come to the Ferrari Challenge race. And that was the first few years of the Ferrari Challenge. And to help some drivers to get up to speed, to do some classroom and tell them what to do, you know. And uh, and they asked me in 2009 to uh, to do the same thing. Can you come back as a head coach? And we get more cars. We, ha- we have a new car coming in, which is a 458 uh, Challenge car, which is a car of 500, you know, 570 horsepower. And uh, we can use your US expertise. And, you know, when... Uh, and uh, tell our driver uh, how to do it, and that's how I start. And uh, that's why my I'm working full time with the Furry Challenge, and also I am a, a brand ambassador for Michelin. Uh, you know, they call that the celebrity host. Uh, actually, Michelin invite di- big distributor to the race, and. Uh, and I take care of them over the weekend that's why we met at uh, yeah. Daytona I do the same thing for, for Le Mans we go we go to Le Mans especially this year we go with 75 guests at Le Mans because it's the uh, 100th anniversary and uh, I will be you know I will be the host for them over there and I like it I mean it keep me it keep me in, a, in the racing world and uh, I share my passion for racing and my expertise for racing with with new
1: drivers and I like to do that What's the what's the age range of the drivers you work with? In the
2: challenge, I would say you know, well, we
1: get the younger. You
2: know, I would say ten years ago it was more like uh, forty-five, fifty. Well, now we 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 start to have some uh, young businessmen who make good money in their business, and uh, uh, we have guys of you know 28, 30, 35 years old. And uh, and actually, because they're younger, it's more competitive also. Right. Yeah.
0: And for our challenge, I mean, they definitely have some – they've got some very notable people in the series, and not necessarily for being – well-known race car drivers, but just you know, I know Robert Herzovek from Shark Tank. Oh yeah, we had we had Michael Fassbender. Michael we Fassbender. Get, you, know, we get, yeah. you know, yeah.
2: And actually, in the nineties, you know, uh, I I coach or uh, Carl Lewis, you know, uh, uh, you know, some uh, movies, movie movie uh, producer like uh, Cindy Pollack, like Michael Mann, you know, all all Ferrari owners who want to drive their car a bit better than average and. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ferrari attract, you know, attract people, you know, and it's still a name. And uh, I went back actually to the factory uh, last uh, November. Uh, we always have uh, the challenge final in Europe, uh, you know, when I was in um, in Imola uh, last time. And, uh, you know, it's magic, you know, it's magic. I mean, uh, everybody loves that name and, and they're pretty good at it, you know, and they make good products and, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's not only the car you drive with Ferrari, it's the lifestyle you go with it. And, uh, you know, people love that.
1: And, you no, know, kind No, i no, sorry. No, I got to ask. Do you get one for the year?
2: No, even the Formula One driver, they don't receive one. They want they <laughs> to drive, but if they if they want a car for their own, for the future, they have to buy it. Probably they get a good price, but no, and that's actually, that came from the old man, from Enzo Ferrari. He never gave away a car. Never. you Do know, you at least get a price. discount? Do you
0: at least get a discount?
2: <laughs> uh, maybe a discount, but you know, <laughs> every Formula <laughs> One driver, you know, uh, you know, probably, you know, has to pay the cars, yeah. But it's funny to see Ferrari. I, like, yeah, I forgot to mention, I went to see the, the line and, uh, you know, the production and so on. It's amazing that we have a factory that every car in the line already sold before the car is finished. I mean, right. not many manufacturers can say that, you know, it's unbelievable
1: yeah you know it's uh it's funny people buy those cars not understanding they they really are like a race car in terms of how well you got to take care of them and you know it, they're high performance machines and i mean and in these days i mean the the
2: etiquette they had like from 25 years ago not to be reliable. Well, actually that's over i mean the technology they have they they give you a seven years warranty on the car you buy
1: yeah which is you know it's. Well, i would never send her i would never send her that reliable i mean but you just
2: oh uh, well, i mean you, it, the old just, days yeah they were, they were well yeah. they were reliable, but you need to really to take care of them not right. today i see people who drive you know their car every day and there's no problem they do oh, 50 okay. 60 000 miles you know without without issue you know and uh But a different car to drive, I have to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's the closest to a race car you can find. And and the challenge car, I mean, beside the the safety device, like the roll cage, Mm -hmm. you know, the seats, you know, the steering wheel, the, the position and so on. I mean, mechanically, the brakes, the gearbox, the engine are really the same as a street car. No difference.
0: Yeah. I mean, are, are they pretty close? 670 to like the, horsepower. <laughs> right, right. And how how close, like in the, as far as horsepower speed, do they really compare with like a GT cars? And um, well, it, it, they turn out in the straightaway, they're
2: faster than a GT car because there's no really? restrictor, there's no BOP. Oh, I got I you. Mean, okay. You know, GT cars get like 650, 600, uh, 500, 580 horsepower. Well, the Ferrari Challenge get 100 more. With less downforce, which is in the straightaway, a Challenge car at Daytona is one one hundred ninety-two. You know it's fast for you know, for a car who doesn't have you know wider tires than this. You know uh, <laughs> sure. Le Mans, Le Mans. I mean uh, every couple of years they have a European uh, Challenge race at Le Mans. They reach two hundred. I mean it's fast for a street car. <laughs> yeah, oh,
0: that's that's yeah,
1: pretty
0: yeah. fast. Yeah. Um. So you know, talking about driving coaching. How do you do you approach driving coaching different? You know, maybe coaching a 16, 17, 20-year-old versus someone like Michael Fassman or Robert, Robert Herjavec who maybe got into racing later in life. I mean, do you approach that any differently when you're coaching no, someone like that?
2: Not, not really. The most difficult part is to have a... Well, I have, you know, different coach, different level of uh, approach of, of, uh, you know, the younger generation, of course, they want to use the laptop all the time and look at the laptop and look at the line and so on. I'm more like old school. Sometimes, yeah, laptop is a good thing, but sometimes they forgot. There's a steering wheel, there's two pedals and a guy behind the steering wheel. Get back to basic. If the guys miss the apex for whatever reason, you know, close the laptop and work on that, you know. <laughs> you can work on the laptop, you know, uh, way after. No, because, you know, and the most, you know, uh, difficult part I see when I have new guys coming uh, to, uh, to the challenge is, is the vision. They don't raise the vision and they don't look far enough. And when you right. look at a guy who breaks too late to miss the apex, it's not because of the skill, it's because the guy didn't look far enough. And if you look far enough, you know you get that depth perception much better than if you look, you know, on the front of the hood of the car. And that's the most difficult part. And that's sometimes I have a hard time to explain that to the young uh, coach generation who want to only work on the on the graph of the of the laptop. You know.
1: Yeah, I I uh, I come from a world of like midget sprint car, open wheel type racing like that. Uh-huh. And newer drivers, like you said, they get. They'll tend to start the the longer the race goes, they look more and more at the nose. Yes. And they're not, they're not looking up and you know, you're not looking through the corner and you're not setting up your passes, you're not setting up your corners before you get there. And that, you know, there's some people I think that kind of never get away from that. And then some people, you know, they eventually break that, and then some people never have that problem. No, exactly. And even for us as a pro driver,
2: I mean, every time I went back to Indy or I went back to Le Mans, oh, the first few laps, you say, yeah, I, you know, you look, well, because we're a racer, we get used to that very quickly. But, you know, because the speed, well, you have to look much further. And, and it, for us, it's maybe automatic, but for the, somebody from the street, when when we see all those crashes you get on the freeway, I mean ninety percent of the time is because the people didn't the, look far enough, you know. Because right. well, they look at the front of the hood, and that's why they make a mistake. And that's the difficult part to make those drivers understand to raise the vision to uh, to anticipate what's going on ahead of them, you know.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, only other question I had was, um, what what would be your biggest piece of advice for you know any young kid or? Whatever that wants to, you know, get in, get into racing.
2: Never give up. Always try. Always try. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough to be, you know, difficult, and always been difficult at every level to find money to find a sponsorship to get your way in. But somebody who get the real motivation uh, will will. I don't believe in the guy missing the boat because you know he didn't find any money. If you're good enough and you manage to. Uh, to show you can be good, you know, two people get you in, manage to have one test somewhere, you know, uh, starting with go-kart. I, I still believe, you know, uh, a, a guy who uh, will get the motivation to succeed will succeed. And uh, unfortunately, you, you 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 know, you see some drivers who, who maybe get an easy life, maybe too easy life, and they may be not starving enough. Those will have a hard time to succeed. But if you starve enough and want to succeed, I believe you can make it.
1: Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Uh, you know, and that's how I look at the sport. Um, I mean, the sport's not fair. I mean, no, but nothing is right. And uh, I think, I think being, I think being a, um, not being a bridge burner. To you uh-huh. know somebody that you know like you're a real deal guy, right? I mean, yeah, like yeah. You, you do what you say, you say what you do, you do what you say, and then you you treat people with the respect that you want. And yeah. uh, I think I think if you can do those things and couple it with winning, I think that goes a long way. You know the you know I noticed also you know when you know
2: I, I mean I'm not you know uh, it's difficult to explain but. I mean, one of the reasons why we don't have Formula One driver in Formula One it's because maybe our life are maybe too easy in our country. You know, you win or you don't win. You still have a food and you plate in the evening, and uh, or at lunchtime. You know, I mean, uh, some drivers from countries where you know, like maybe South American, you know, uh, maybe they want to go out of this social level they are and maybe they starve more, maybe they have more motivation to reach the top level. And, um, you know, hopefully now with the new generation, uh, with Netflix, we get more interest of, of uh, you know, uh, of Formula One in this country. And uh, I can see now the movement of Formula One driver, potentially, you know, well, with Sergeant you know, uh, going to Williams, right. um, hopefully it will change. And uh, no Formula One was put on the map you know uh quite good actually the last two three years hopefully is only the beginning and uh, we'll see more you know american driving formula one hopefully
1: yeah i you know i do too i think uh it's been interesting watching andretti try to you know get their foot in the door get in there and uh and i thought he made some pretty good points you know michael's Michael and Mario are tough betters, you know, they, they don't take anything lying down and, and, uh, you know, they felt some of that resistance of them coming there. And he's like, look, you want to be in America. You want to do all this racing in America. You want all this vi- you know, visual representation in America. And you also want all the American sponsors. Well, we want part of this too. And we want, mm-hmm. we want American sponsors. We want the, the visual aspect of you know we want that same thing mm-hmm. you know it can't be just one way sure sure and i yeah. just felt like that that was summed up pretty well mm-hmm. yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah i agree i agree yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but hopefully i mean in it's i mean
2: i always i always feel 22 cars in Formula one is not enough i mean i would say like you know 24 i mean can be a good number you know uh more than that, you know, uh, some racetrack will be a hard time to find enough garage or something like that. But I think 24 is a good number. And 22, when you have a, you know, a car, you know, disabled, you know, an accident, you know, we end up racing like 14 or 15 cars racing, that's pretty lean. Uh, I think 24 cars on the grid, you know, could be a good number. Hopefully it will be it will be like that pretty soon. I hope they understand. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you have to understand also everybody, I mean, it's, it's a lot of politics, you know, I mean, you get 20 guys sharing your cake, you know, why the same cake need to be shared in 22 or 24. I mean, not right. as far as the same way, you know, sure. I mean, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, IndyCar's trying to get that way themselves, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I fully understand what you're saying there. <laughs> you know, I, I do have one last question. Um, And I think you probably already answered it. Uh like you obviously had a way above average talent. You're you're a, been a winner in everything you've done. And I know you're humble and I know all that, but let's tell truth here. I mean, you are <laughs> way up there in skill level. What was it? Do you think about yourself? Um. That do you think aided that? I mean, you know, obviously you've got the talent. What was it, what part of it was it that helped uh, hone that talent, uh, make that talent stand out? I mean, there's a million guys who can play basketball well, in this world. You know I what mean, I'm saying? Honestly, I, I never felt
2: that somebody that good, but I, uh, and I had teammates and I know guys who were faster, uh, but sometimes, and I see that a lot, sometimes they don't know why they're faster and uh but i had the motivation and uh you know like i said i i made loan to race formula two also and i had to uh, uh to pay that loan i had to pay the bank and uh super v had prize money in the light had prize money and i used that money to pay the bank and that maybe that gives you the motivation you know and the determination like i said before to win race and to succeed and uh, and at that time i really i was really really you know more motivated than ever because you know the only way for me to win races uh, is to uh, uh, you know to I, actually with the prize money I was putting the money back at the bank but also was, uh, using part of that money to go to the next race because the V team I was racing for didn't need the full funding for the season and we used we used some prize money money to go to the next race
1: which is I was forced to win to continue. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. yeah, I think that's a great point. I think. I, I agree with you. Like, and to the point of, I mean, I think the best. This may not be fair, but I think but, most of the best race car drivers have been ones that have really had to be great race car drivers. If you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, no, sure, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, yeah.
2: But you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. You know, I'm lucky. I'm fortunate. I mean, you know, I won some races. I I could win more races. I mean, I, I'm missing a win on I'm missing a good a good season in IndyCar. But I mean, you know, I mean, I'm fortunate that for the last, you uh, no, I mean, uh, 15 years, I still make a living out of racing. And I I see I still see some drivers. I help some people. Maybe more gentleman drivers than a young driver, but. You know, it's an opportunity at with Ferrari, and um, and I enjoy what I do, and you know, hopefully, I can continue from you a few more races, from your from your uh, yours. Sorry.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank it's you very right much, guys. I, I
2: really appreciate. it. Thank you. I see many helmets there on your uh, on your shelves.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah, they're just many helmets. It's kind of hard to tell, but yeah, they're just I collect a lot of racing stuff. So.
2: All right. Very good. Good. It's Good to see the passion. Say, and that's the most important part is the passion. You know, if you have the passion, you'll love it. I always
1: say that my wall is blank for people to be yeah, to it's pretty white.
0: Yeah. Put <laughs> their <laughs> dreams on. They can put their dreams on. Okay. Seems like <laughs> you've kept so you've kept a lot of your trophies and stuff, it looks like, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, but that's
2: that's only my American trophy. I mean, all the trophies from go karting, Formula Three, Formula Two in Europe, I threw that away when I moved to America because I couldn't do. I didn't. I, I didn't have the money to to, oh. to put that in a container and send that to, uh, to here. And uh, that's only my US, uh, my US trophies. Well, it's more there, but you know, it's uh, it. Yeah, it goes, it goes around, and you know,
0: <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> you keep like your. You keep any of like your helmets and stuff too. Yeah, I, I, kept, I kept the helmet of each
2: model. I uh, When gotcha. I was uh, racing in Europe, I, uh, I used a GPA. It was actually, you know, in the 80s, there was a French helmet, it was quite good. You know, with the, actually, if you see from around driver like a Villeneuve and, uh, and the French driver, they used, you know, it was a clip underneath. It was no straps. it was just a clip. And, I, sure. and then when I came to the U.S. and I started to race uh, Indy lights, the bell guy said, well, you race in the U.S., you cannot really use that here. You need to use a bell. And I use I use Bell for 25 years of my of my career. I still use Bell actually with Ferrari. And actually, I kept one uh, uh, one of each model of the Bell
0: I used. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you,
2: guys. I see you on the race. If you come to a a challenge race, uh, you know, just make sure you uh, you call me or you see me there, and I show
0: sure you're on. I mean, I'd be glad. Yes. You'll be here in Indianapolis, right?
2: No, we we don't go this year. No, uh, oh, we, okay. uh,
0: No, actually with the with the Faroe challenge
2: we try to um you know change the championship from year to year. Like, for example, we went to Watkins Land two years in a row. No, we're going back to Road America. We did, you know, we did uh, Laguna Seca. No, we're going back to Sonoma. We tried to alternate. We didn't go. We're going to Homestead. We didn't go to Homestead for two years. I mean, we tried to alternate to keep the excitement and, you know, not to make a boring championship. We're going to the same place every year. But no, Indy is out for, for this year. Yes. Maybe back next year. Who knows? Yeah. Did you guys run St. Pete last year? No, uh, no, we did St. Pete, oh, a long time ago, we did St. Pete, uh, oh, I think 2012 or 13, okay. you know, as a support race of, a, but that's also the problem with the Freire Challenge. Uh, you know, when you are support race of an in Indy car race or sports car race, the track time is really limited and right. those drivers, they want to drive a lot, which is now we decide we only do A support race of the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. That's the only one we do. the the, the other race we by ourselves. Yeah, by ourselves. Like, like now we get Homestead in two weeks. We already start to run on on Wednesday. You know, they get free practice on Wednesday, Thursday, Hmm. and then the official practice start on Friday. And we get two races per weekend in the challenge. We get one race on Saturday, one race on Sunday.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, sounds good.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we get we get fifty five entries. It's pretty strong. That is.
1: That's (laughs)
0: now i gotta ask when
1: was
0: the last have you driven any of the ferrari challenge cars like in the past i don't know five years or have you done like oh, I, any- I drive every model since i started
2: 94 95 yes <laughs> oh wow that's
0: cool yeah yeah
2: yeah we get the new one coming next year which is the 296 uh, actually, which is the same car you see probably Daytona the 296 GT cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna use that uh, that chassis for the next uh, challenge car. Yes, yeah. But no, uh, without the hybrid system because just like the GT is too complicated, too expensive, you know, for uh, spec racing. Which is uh, it will be the the V6 turbo. It's still gonna be 600 horsepower, which is plenty enough for a challenge car. Sure.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well thank well, again, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you Where are you based? Indianapolis. Oh, Indianapolis. Ah, oh,
2: perfect. All right. I Pretty
0: can good. I'm I can see the pagoda from my front yard. So I'm Oh right. Wonderful. perfect. And he's not perfect. that far He's not that
1: far <laughs> either. So. I'm on the other perfect. side of Speedway. And then uh, you're on Scottsdale with all the, I am in Scottsdale, like, yeah. It, seems like all the racers are out in Scottsdale now. Oh in
2: one in one point, uh we were like ten or twelve in the nineties here. Yeah, now, now it's only three. I mean, it's Leon well, Dake and Tom Sneva and myself, yeah. Oh, but in no. one uh, point, like... I- Chris, not,
1: are you... Larson um- lives out there now. Who's that? Kyle Larson. He lives in Scottsdale. Oh, I right? didn't know that. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. okay. Did, you,
0: did you ever race, and he, he may have been before your time, Chris Neifel? Yes, I know Chris. Yeah, yeah he, no, he was after. after. I, I, I started with the after Chris. Yeah, Chris
2: still is still here. You're right, yes. Yeah. But He's at in one point, animal. I mean, active drivers, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was Mark Brundel, JJ Leto, uh, Adrian Fernandez, uh, Lunday, myself, uh, you know, PJ Jones, uh Sneva. Yeah, it was a big big group. <laughs> big group.
1: Yeah, and PJ still lives up there and then Yes, uh, yeah. He's got a go kart shop, I think. I didn't see him for a long time. Yeah. 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 His son uh his son goes to college in North Carolina, but yeah. Oh uh, Buddy Rice, I think, he's here too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Rice. Yep. I forgot, yep.
0: him. I forgot oh, okay. him. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's a lot. There's actually a lot of drivers out there. Well, uh, they may be
2: like the sun, but I tell you, it's cold today. It's forty forty five degrees and it's overcast. You know, it rained this morning. Oh, sure. <laughs> it may be warmer.
0: It may actually be warmer here for once in February. It was in the fifties here today. You see? <laughs>
2: yeah, we had a we had a long winter here. Yes, yeah. Um, well, winter for Arizona, you know.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks.
1: Thank, Thank you. you, guys.
2: And hopefully, maybe we're, you know, for sure, you know, uh, you get my phone number now. Uh, yep. If you go, if you see the schedule back in 24 at Indian for a challenge, just stop by. We we uh, give you a tour.
0: <laughs> yeah, that no, that would be oh. great. Um, and oh, I, I go to Daytona every year, so I'll see okay. you probably at Daytona at least. Yeah, yeah, we get, um,
2: we actually we're actually doing also, uh, um, going back in Daytona in uh, December, we, you know, Ferraris get a driving school course, or, course or Pilota. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then we have the school in Kota. We have the school in Daytona also uh, in December, and uh, yeah, always uh, spend a week there for uh, new drivers, you know, for the challenge. Yeah, yeah.
0: Was that when? Remember when they did the? They had the Ferrari F1 cars at Daytona um, a couple years ago. Vettel, I think it was like Vettel and Raikkonen there. Yes, yeah. Were were you a part? Yeah, that that was part of
2: the final. I mean, when uh, you know uh, the championship uh, in. We get Asian championship, we get European championship, North American championship, and now we have the English championship. Actually, the final is always in one place. And uh, in Europe, they do either Mugello or Himola. We've been to Abu Dhabi. We've been to uh, Valencia in Spain. And actually, I think it was 2015 or 16, the final was in Daytona. And during those finals, you get always the Formula 1 driver show up and do demonstration with the Formula 1, you know, for the show. And uh, just to give you an example, we had uh, we had that at Imola last October. 40,000 people show up to oh, see wow. the Formula 1 doing donuts in a straightaway. Well, in, in, in Italy, when you put the Ferrari on the racetrack, everybody show up, you know. Sure. I mean, yes, it was like amazing. The grandstand of Imola was as full as the Formula 1 race, you know, six months earlier. Crazy crazy <laughs> but it's in Italian. it's in italy and it's not too far from ferrari you know that's right, one, sure. one of the reasons <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely well thanks i hope you have a good night all right no problem see you soon guys thank you very yeah, much bye